This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Roundtable. We are back after a little break, um, slightly longer than we initially planned because I've been travelling up and down the country. Um, yeah, grandparents had some some medical stuff, so I was uh, screwed up our, our scheduling for a little bit. But um, we are here this week to talk about Brit Ress's contribution to the wrestling world in May, specifically Rev Pro's Epic Encounter and uh, Progress's Super Strong Style Weekender three day tournament thing. I am Robin Reed, and I am joined, as almost always, by Arnold Furious. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I've, uh, you know, I really enjoyed listening to the uh, the Dean Ambrose or John Moxley now interview from Talking Jericho today, and that's really got me fired up about wrestling. His uh, yeah, I was I was planning on listening to that, but then we had to record this, so it's not happened. But um... I want to listen to it. I hear it's good. I would highly recommend it. It like I've never been a big like Ambrose slash Moxley fan because you know I'm a I'm an in ring guy yeah. primarily, but and he's never I've always really felt like for me in that his way. primos and the fact the way that he talks about wrestling is more interesting to me than anything else that he does. I, I feel that like this is also quite relevant because he's there's a decent chance he'll appear in the UK soon because he's taking yeah. bookings all over the place, which I didn't expect. No, he he was like genuinely a guy because you know he's he's always kind of been regarded as a bit of a an oddball to begin with. He could have easily been a guy who was just like after WWE was like right, I'm sick of this, I'm done with yeah, wrestling, I'm, I'm going to go live in a van for the I rest honestly, of my life, and you'll never see me I again. Heard from him earlier in his career that his retirement plan was to just make enough money in WWE so that you could go and live on top of a mountain somewhere in a cabin and just you know drink and watch the sunset. <laughs> you know that that was his career plan. So uh, somewhere along the way, he's gotten a little bit annoyed with what he's had to do, and uh, decided he wants to make up for it and change the world, baby. Well, the the interview is is fascinating. I highly recommend you you uh, go listen to it afterwards because it his passion for wrestling is like so so clear and something I didn't necessarily expect because he wasn't always the guy that kind of exuded from in the way it does in many wrestlers but uh yeah that's slightly off topic but uh, that's 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 really got me uh going for wrestling in a way i didn't expect because i've never really been like a big fan of his but i am so excited for john moxley now and i really hope uh he, he shows up now that may die if he like goes in the g1 and, and stinks it up uh. but I'm I'm more into him now than I ever have been, and you know if he got announced for 
uh, a York Hall show tomorrow, I, I would immediately buy a ticket just off that interview. Well, it, it'd it's, probably uh, sell out because he's hot property, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Which is weird because like, guys who come out of WWE, some of them are, are, are hugely successful on the indies and make an immediate impact. And some of them just disappear. Like, what happened to Ryback? Some of them are Jack Swagger. Yeah, um, and that was one who I thought would have done well and didn't. Yeah. Uh, also, we, we, we have a uh, fair warning. Uh, the Chelsea-Arsenal Europa League final is happening while we're recording this. So if I start shouting about goals and stuff, it, that's, yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah. I mean, neither of us are fans of either team. But if so. something hilarious happens, like Louise gets sent off, then, yeah, I'll, I'll be amused. Kepper refuses to get subbed off. That would be... That's always entertaining. I enjoyed that last time it happened. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess we should probably talk about some British wrestling. <laughs> yeah, we, we've done British football. We've done American <laughs> wrestling. We'll, we're, we're slowly circling around the topic. Uh, what do you want to start off with? Epic Encounter or uh, Superstar? Yeah, let's style? do Epic Encounter first. Um, I think there's less to talk about there, but it's fresher in my mind, so that's probably the, the best place to start. Yeah, I think we could kind of wrap this discussion up, uh, because as ever with RevPro, it's kind of inexorably linked. You can't really talk about it without at least somewhat discussing New Japan. Um, we can kind of link it in a weird way, to um, how well El Fantasmo's adjusted to Japan and is has gotten over in, in New Japan in a way I don't think pretty much any one of us who have been following him in RevPro for the last, what, two years or so now? Well, almost exactly two years, I think, um, would have expected. Mm. Yeah, the, the thing with El Fantasmo is he's been playing a very bland, very generic babyface character, and he's been fine uh, playing that role. Um, I didn't realise he had that that depth to him. And I've had, uh, albeit very short conversations with him, but he, he just strikes me as a really laid-back guy, and he's not particularly bothered. You know, he, he came to Europe, he's done well. Um but again, that's another guy where like his passion for wrestling and his, his ambition were far in excess of what I thought they were, and um, fair play to him. Yeah, because the, the main event of this uh, Rev Pro show was El Fantasmo finally getting his big win against David Starr in a feud that has basically been going on since he came to this company. Yes, uh, this country. It's <laughs> got two it years his first match in, in Rev Pro was against David Starr. I think it was a non-title match for the Cruiserweight Championship. No, it wouldn't have been for the championship back then, because, yeah, ignore what I just said. Um, but it it was like a match with David Starr, his first match. He lost there. Since then, he's been heading towards the Cruiserweight Championship. He's had numerous title matches, uh, a few of which we all thought he was going to win, and we're like, oh, they're maybe dragging this out a bit long. Um, he finally got the big win here. He beat David Starr for the cruiserweight uh, belt, potentially freeing up Starr to go for the, oh. the heavyweight belt, which I would be very much into. Um, and th- that was kind of the culmination of his his big arc, as as you say, kind of a, a somewhat bland white meese baby face, but at the same time, a character that 
really has shown a success in RevPro as he's gone from a pretty much a complete unknown to someone who, in front of the RevPro audience, is pretty over. You know, he's it, it has worked for him. Perhaps it, it could have been they could have pulled the trigger a bit earlier, but overall he's kind of a good. You know, someone you can point to as RevPro, almost like a homegrown guy. Yeah. And then he's headed over to Japan, um, over Best of the Super Juniors, joined Bullet Club as this, you know, almost completely different heel character. And that's where all his charisma is. And we were completely unaware of it for these last two years. The... This whole thing dragging out for two years, I thought several times they were too late pulling the trigger. I thought the opportunity had gone... Uh, I thought they dragged it out way too long. And then I saw this match and I was like, well, you know, actually they made us wait for it. But like everything that happened in that match called back to previous matches, previous finishes, uh, star weaseling his way out of um, cleanly defending the belt shots that have happened before that couldn't happen now because it was a ladder match. Uh, The referee stuff in this match, like everything called back and David Starr also is really really good at hardcore matches um so yeah he he killed it out there and I kind of the only thing I didn't like was the weird belt shot with the the old cruiserweight belt because they just they were like it's the old cruiserweight belt and I just didn't remember it changing but yeah apart from that it, it worked I think it changed on this in this match. Oh, was it? Yeah, they probably should have made was... a big deal out of that because I didn't realize there was a change of of belt, like an actual physical belt, until he used the the belt for a belt shot. I think they covered it in the pre match because yeah, they. they I remember them making a big deal out of it because they they'd misplaced an, an apostrophe in the, the, the belt itself, the actual metal work, um, which, you know, is the sort of thing that annoys me far mm-hmm. more than it probably should, but is a somewhat um, stupid mistake to, to make on, on something as, as permanent as that. Um, Let's get a Sharpie and just kind of draw that in there and it'd be fine. Yeah. Well, well the problem was it was there and it, it shouldn't have been there, if, oh, okay. if I remember correctly. Colour it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Colour it in gold. Um yeah, so I think the whole idea was because the the old cruiserweight belt didn't look great, and they've kind of slowly been updating the belts one by one, um, getting them all to look kind of more uh, more big stage friendly. Uh, in that they've it, it's been quite noticeable that every time one of the belts about to show up in New Japan, <laughs> yes, on like right. a main New Japan show, they're like, right, Do- we'll we'll uh, we'll make that look a bit more big league now. We'll get a new new actual physical belt. For Do that you one. think New Japan had a bit of a word with them on that and just went, we appreciate your um, efforts in getting New Japan over <laughs> in Europe, but um, could you do something about your shitty looking belts? <laughs> I'm, you know, I could see it, them like taking their own initiative to do that, but like, I I could see Andy like looking at the belt and going like, yeah, it's going to be kind of expensive to improve it, but if it's going to be on that big stage, I probably should. Like if I'm holding um, this at ringside in New York City, yeah. I, it should probably be a good looking belt. And I think they do look pretty good now. Like they're they're not like the best belts to, in the to world. To be honest, but I they, didn't they look really notice league. what they looked like before. 
So I, I'm really not a, a stickler for detail on, on championships. I'm more about the the in-ring and the story. Uh, the belt's yeah, just course. a prop at the end of the day. There, there's a few belts out there that are like really good looking and I can I can like visualize what they look like. Um like say the uh like the big gold belt that WCW had, uh the mm-hmm. NWA title. I know exactly what that looks like. <clears throat> or um the Intercontinental Championship with the white strap, that was just always a, a, a beauty. But yeah, just you, you asked me what the Rev Pro Cruiserweight belt looks like, and I just is it gold, I guess? Uh it is now. Was it before? Uh, Kind of like white goldish, but yeah, it it, it's not super important. But basically, before it looked like an indie title, and now it looks like it doesn't look out of place on a New Japan card anymore. Which is ideally, I think, what they were going for. I I have a somewhat they succeeded in that. I have a somewhat bigger question uh, regarding uh, Rev Pro and New Japan. we kind of, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. I've certainly talked about it with people about whether uh, Andy Q would be more inclined to side with uh, AEW if that was a choice due to the um, how hot they are and how much more money he could possibly make by going that way. But also, is it possible that everyone's in it together and they're going to do something together? What what's the likelihood? Do you think? I, the way I see it is like I think because he's got this ingrained relationship with New Japan, I don't see him like jettisoning it. Um, but I also don't see him like turning down New Japan. Uh, sorry, AEW either. I I don't see him like going. No, I'm working with New Japan. I can't work with you. Because there are guys already announced to be working both. Moxley's working both. Uh, Jericho's working both. So it's not like... It probably isn't necessarily an either-or. So even if it's not like an, an official partnership with AEW, he'll probably, if he can, still be using AEW guys because he'd be stupid not to, really. Um, so I, I see him at least trying to, to still use guys from both. But I, I imagine... The, the partnership with New Japan will kind of remain yeah, the, the more official I think official it kind of one. depends whether New Japan and AEW can continue to get along, which seems to be at the moment they are. So that could help Andy Q because he doesn't have to choose. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he'd be stupid to choose if he doesn't have to, obviously. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, as, as for the match, um, I, I, I hate, and we had this discussion in the preview, I hate singles ladder matches. But for the first, like, three quarters of this match, I thought they did a very good job because it wasn't about climbing yeah. ladders slowly. I, yeah, they they did avoid that uh, for the most part. And I think the whole concept of the match was that these two guys had been fighting each other for two years. There was a lot of hate there. So it was more of a um, no-holds-barred environment and it was only a ladder match because of the belt shots that had taken place in previous matches so they were trying to take that out of the equation but at the same time during the match there was a lot of 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 extreme violence uh, as two guys looked to get over on the other and even to the point where um el fantasma could have won the match earlier uh, but opted not to because uh he wanted to punish star some more and i know a couple of people who hated that but I felt it just played into the storyline. Like 
he didn't feel like Star had, had suffered enough for what he'd suffered um, chasing uh, David's belt. So, yeah, it, for me, it worked. I don't think it was great. It was close to great, but it was very good. I thought it was a satisfying end to the story without it being like, like I can't recommend this match to someone in like a vacuum oh, no, and say no. this is like a match of the year contender or if anything. If you've been watching for I two it, years, like, then it all it's a comes satisfying together ending. nicely. And I, you know, I thought it was close to as good as I, it was better than I hoped for given it was a singles ladder match simply because they structured it differently to the majority of them. It wasn't about who can climb the ladder two people fighting over climbing the ladder pulling each other down it was it was a violent fight and then the person who came on top of the fight then set up a ladder and climbed it to the top and pulled the belt down it wasn't about it was about incapacitating your opponent and then once i've done that i go up and get the the belt rather than it's two people constantly slowly climbing a ladder trying to get the belt and i think that was a, a far better way to go about it and Star especially is is very good at these. Oh yeah. Off, he's he's good at putting together um spots that don't feel contrived, but you haven't seen before and look cool and violent. Like the there's a really simple spot in this match where he kind of just tilt a world's phantasma into just the side of a chair, mm. and it it's so simple and it it just looks so natural because it's like it's a move you see of all uh, anyway. It's a bit like Liger's kind of tilt a world into a backbreaker, but because it's a hardcore match, there's a chair in the ring. He just does it onto a chair, and it's like that looks awesome, but it also it's not contrived. It doesn't have this long setup that was a big problem. And in general, they did quite a good job of. Not having their being conveniently, long, long I, set up I, I gift that spot, and that's in my review. If anyone wants to see that spot particularly, so, well, there we go. Yeah. But yeah, I thought they did a very good job given it was a singles ladder match, and we both made it very clear we don't like that type of match. So I think they did a good yeah, job I, under the circumstances. With, with the preview, we were looking at it and thinking it was just going to be a lot of slow climbing, which um, I have pretty major issues with a lot of historical ladder matches i don't think they age well um there's a one between triple h and the rock that was supposed to be oh i hate that yeah it's god awful um that was supposed to be like the big breakthrough match for both of them i think it's SummerSlam 98 um but yeah it's a fucking terrible match and there were way too many matches around that time where they were just taking the easy route and trying to tell a dramatic story about climbing a ladder. Climbing a ladder is not interesting. Whereas what they were doing in this match was. So, you know, credit to them for for what they put together here. I actually preferred this match to the uh, the big height progress TLC match um, between uh, Swords of Essex and... Who was it? Aussie yeah. Open. Yeah. You where where are you on that kind of comparison? Yeah, I, kind of I preferred this one. I, I thought it had better storytelling, better pacing. Um, Star in particular is really really good at, at telling a bell to bell story and doing things before and after the match to make sure we know what it's about and how important mm-hmm. it is. Uh, I don't think El Fantasma was that good at those things, but. Um, he did the really, really hard technical stuff in the match exceptionally well. So there's a, there's a spot where he springboards onto the ladder, and that is really, really hard. Yeah, he's, he's very... 
I think there's an easy comparison for, like, in ring-wise between him and Flip Gordon, in that, like, athletically, they're both amazing, but when they're not in a guy who, uh, in there with a, a guy who's, like, really talented in kind of the mental aspect of wrestling, putting together a match, they often don't shine anywhere near as much. They're, they're like, a great tool for an opponent to build a match with. And I'm not saying he's, like, stupid or anything. No. But it's just, he, he's he's never, like... I've never seen a match where I thought El Fantasmo's led it to greatness, where it, but I think he athletically has the ability to be led to greatness, yeah. which you can't say about a fair fair number of wrestlers. Yeah, well, there's, there's different kinds of wrestlers, and like it, it's not necessarily a bad thing that um, that El Fantasmo has the strengths that he has, because there's loads of guys out there with uh, the capacity to put together matches who'd love to work with a guy that athletic. Um, so yeah, there's there's a place for for both of these types of guys in wrestling, and it's uh, credit to Andy Q, I guess, for spotting that they they mesh well together and for getting two years worth of storyline out of it. In terms of El Fantasmo going forward, um, because obviously he's now cruiserweight champion, but he's also had the big break in New Japan that we're talking about with quite a drastic character shift. Do you think they just flip the flip the character in Rev Pro now? Oh, I hope so. Uh, he's me too. He is, me um, too. To all intents and purposes, played out as a baby face. Yeah. Um, he's also not a particularly interesting face. I've said this uh, a couple of times now, but I just find him to be a bit bland and uninteresting. Uh, as a heel, uh, he does things that I'd rather he didn't. Uh, anyone who deliberately incorporates a lot of ref bumps in matches is just not cool with me. But the the personality side of things is yeah. uh, completely different. So he could do somewhere in between what he's been doing historically in Rev Pro and what he's doing currently in New Japan. He doesn't have to go all out there. He could do it more as a, a, a cocky um, babyface champ who gets booed. Or, you know, I think often in, in New Japan, like, when a heel is is debuting and really leaning into the uh, interference stuff, it often does ease off a bit. It's just in, like, their opening tour. Yeah. They lean on it super heavily to kind of get that negative reaction, that negative association going with them, and then can often ease it off a little as time goes on. Um, so potentially, well, hopefully that, that that's the case. With well, yeah, there. I can see him getting booked that way in the UK because uh, he, he can cut a promo before a match and that would be enough to get him booed. Whereas you do that in Japan, I don't think it's, it has the same effect. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And he's, he's, as we kind of mentioned earlier, his charisma that we never realised he had uh, on the heel side of things, he is... He is excellent at being thoroughly (laughs) unlikable. And, like, it's not, it's almost less the things he does and more the way he does them, in that he just, he's just a smarmy dickhead in New Japan. And I never realized that would be his character strength, but it is. And I'm, you know, as you say, the. The the face kind of arc that he's gone on, that whole chase, it's over now. And like I don't have that much interest in him just being the champion. Yeah, I, I, so I don't really like... It's a good reset for I him. don't really like babyface champions, so that, but the timing is good. 
as you say, it's a good it's a good mm. time for him to just change his gimmick around and uh it's it's very rare for somebody to to be an effective face in one promotion while they're being uh an effective heel in a bigger promotion it's it's quite rare um i think stars kind of gotten away with it a couple of times in in recent years i mean he's kind of especially as he's playing a very similar character yeah. in all the different places it's, it's it, clever it's... It's just kind of different perspectives on that same character. Um, nuance, it's lovely, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Um, I enjoy it. Speaking of Star, as he's now lost the Cruiserweight Championship, where where do you see him going? I, I'm hoping towards like the, the heavyweight scene, because as good as that scene has been, it has been perhaps a little stale between um, Ishii um Suzuki and Sabre like you know all excellent wrestlers but it's kind of been it's centered around those three for what two years now almost yeah basically they, since Shibata had the they belt. put some challenges in there and yeah but... Volta had his as his little run there um Osprey had the the big title shot but uh, Brooks it's had a big title shot phrase. against uh Sabre as well uh mm-hmm. Keith Lee so they've they basically brought people in to to freshen it up a bit, but I think Star is a a long term project for for Rev Pro, and I can see him with that title at some point. I hope so. I, hope I just so. didn't want him to beat Ishii. I didn't want anyone to beat. Yeah, Ishii. I think that was probably a little too too early for him uh, at that point. Um, but it, it was you know great match, great match. Um, speaking of Suzuki. The other big match from this show was Suzuki losing his tag team titles alongside uh, the world, not world champion, British heavyweight champion, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. to Aussie Open in a rematch from their big title match. Uh, Was that Uprising last year? I think so. Uh, Who knows who these names? Probably. (laughs) Probably Uprising. Um, This was another really good match. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I didn't... I actually preferred their first match, but... Again, they did a good job kind of closing that loop, having a yeah, satisfying I, conclusion to that story. I preferred this one. Um, I thought Minoru Suzuki uh, turned up with not only his work boots on, but also his comedy boots <laughs> and his charisma boots and every other set of boots that he's got. Uh, How many feet does he have? Uh, loads. He's <laughs> a centipede. Uh, but yeah, he, he just he turned up with like every possible version of Minoru Suzuki and gave us all of everything which uh it's it's wild because like uh Suzuki in in New Japan over the past couple of years has really not delivered in the ring like he has done for Rev Pro um he just seems to enjoy getting the reaction that he gets in in your call and he just turns up and, and delivers and this might even be my favourite Minoru Suzuki performance in a in a UK ring in this match. I thought he was outstanding throughout. Uh, at one point, he was uh, uh, exposing his buttocks and kind of waving his legs around and at uh, Mark Davis and just <laughs> just I yeah, I'm lost for words. Really, that was Minoru Suzuki just being special and above everything else that that happened on the card and you you get these these wrestlers that are just above wrestling and that's that's Suzuki 
Yeah, sure. Um, it's. <laughs> I think you're a little higher on it uh, than me, but uh, I, yeah, I, I thought this was this was good stuff yet again, and again, it, it felt good twice in a row because. Some of the York Hall shows in, in recent times have felt a bit underwhelming, especially with the booking. It felt really nice to get two definitive conclusions to yeah. long-term stories. Um, and that's been, you know, obviously the, the glaring one being the, the pack. Oh, God. Um, that show was very bad. Yeah. And, like, you had people kind of taking it from the perspective, like, oh, yeah, the finish made sense. Yeah, but, it like, you don't want, like... There was no incentive to go back from that show. That wasn't a show that went, you went, yeah, that I love that. I want to see, go to another York Hall show. Whereas this one, it was like conclusive endings to long-running storylines that feel satisfying. And I think overall, that's that's the easiest word to describe these two matches and these two feud feud enders mm. is that it was it was satisfying. It was conclusive. And that's kind of what you want from wrestling. Yeah. You, you I, get so many ref bumps uh, uh, across Western wrestling, but to kind of and, and so many like feuds that don't properly end because they're too busy setting up the next feud. Here we got two two feuds where the baby faces eventually, after several tries in both times, eventually finally won won the belts um, and succeeded by you know persevering and. Being better in the end. Yeah, we had uh, two lots of rice pudding. It was uh, it was really nice. Mm. Um, I think it was helped by. Uh, I, I know you didn't see the undercard, but the undercard was consistently strong, and I think it helps any uh, major show for Rev Pro when like the undercard is good, uh, as opposed to being inconsequential, which it sometimes is. So even uh, like their opening match on this show is Gabriel Kidd versus Brendan White, which. If you put that in front of me and I'm there live, I'd be like, eh. But uh, yeah, they went out there and it was, they had a really good opener and that was set the, the tone. And there was nothing bad on this show. Like even the, the Dan McGee, Curtis Chapman, Shah Samuels, Josh Bowden match that I thought was going to be a complete waste of time. Uh, Shah just went out there and like killed himself, taking every spot he could uh, uh, think of. He took a uh, that mega driver spot of uh Curtis Chapman like um yeah so the, like the undercard was really strong and it built um to like as you say two satisfying conclusions to a feud so it was it was a really well put together show uh yeah good good stuff overall from Rev Pro more more of that more of that yeah i this you compare this show to was it february the the pack osprey show like this was miles yeah. better. It's like way, way better. Uh, so I'm gonna go to Summer Sizzler. Which, if this show was another uh, show like the February show, I probably wouldn't have done. So they they've got me back on board by putting together a really good show. Yeah, that should be a, a fun weekender because they've got the uh, the cockpit, the the Summer Sizzler. I, and I am not going to the Royal cockpit Quest. in the summer. <laughs> no. I, I didn't say I'd go to it. I'm saying they've got it. Yeah. Um, and if yes, anyone's then, listening got... to this, no. <laughs> Don't go to the cockpit in the summer. It'll probably be a really good show. And it'll, it's a really unique and uh, intimate venue. 
but good lord, it's just oh, it's so hot. Uh, and then there's there's you know the the small matter of Royal Quest, yeah. uh, New Japan's big uh, copper box show in the I think the Sunday of that week probably. Not entirely sure on the dates, but you know that's all kind of clumped together. So that yeah, should be a good time. The Friday, your call is the thirtieth, so that's the that's the Friday. Oh, so they do in Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, well, yeah, I yeah. We'll talk about it closer to yeah. time. Days are hard. Days are hard. I just know that because um, I've got my. Uh, Summer Sizzler ticket kind of sat just underneath the monitor so I can see that it's the 30th of August and that's a Friday. But <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's all I know. I'm guessing the, yeah, the, so Royal Quest is Saturday mm-hmm. and then Cockpit Sunday. Oh, so Cockpit kind of closes the weekend. Yeah, yeah won't, won't be there for that part. But uh, yeah, cool. Um we talked about ref. Uh, do you have anything else you want to bring up from the undercard? I haven't seen it, so I don't know if anything's notable. Um, I was really happy to see uh, OJMO um, getting mm-hmm. another uh, opportunity. I think he's a an enormous um, star in the making. <laughs> Without being an enormous man in any way. No, but he form. doesn't need to be. And, and look, to, to be. Um, a superstar in professional wrestling, you don't need to be big. You just need to have that it factor. And Michael Oku has, has just got it. It's 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 hard to define what it even is, but like he just has it. And uh, Rev Pro would be wise to um, exploit that as much as possible. I've noticed um, in my my recent watching of him. Um... I didn't. I've seen him in in his match on this show, but uh, I've I've seen him recently. I can't remember the exact show, but um, compared to like even like four or five months ago, his his movement around the ring has yeah. got a lot better. He, like you can just tell he's, he's like hard. that much more comfortable. Uh, and it's when stuff like that sort of starts to click that you're like, okay, this is a guy who could you know he could he's on his way to getting there now. Um, there's some guys who, you know, they've been wrestling 10 years and they, they still look a little awkward moving around the ring. He's got that now. He, that That's down. And he's, yeah. you know, he's still not when that I long said into it, it. I felt like a year ago that he was going to be a star. Um, we we were actually sat drinking with him in the, uh, the Weatherspoons after, I think it was the final night of uh, Super Strong Style last year. And there was just something about him. Like, he just had this... Um, it was the combination of like the personality that you had, the approach that you had to wrestling. And I, I've seen him at shows all over the country for the last year. I, it seems to be wherever I turn up, it's like he's there. Mm, and he's what, been grinding. And um, I was at Fight Club Pro and I, I said, oh, good to see you. And he says, oh, yeah, you're going to come down to uh, to Riptide next week. And I'm like, it's in fucking brightness the other end of the country. <laughs> But like that's that's just uh, that's the mentality that some guys have got is they'll just go where the good wrestling is, and the guys that you see doing that, uh, the wrestlers, they're the ones that are going to be good, the ones that are prepared to put in the grind and just travel the country, even where they're not booked, just to get involved, get the name out there. Those are the ones you want to watch because those are the ones that are going to be good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were you in the spoons after this year's Super Strong Style, Arn? Yes. 
Yes, I was. Tell me about it. Tell me about it, because that's the best transition you're getting. Uh, <laughs> well, this year, um, we had, uh, I was sat around a table with Brother Mort, King Kia, uh, Graps Ed, and Frankie Frazier, and we were watching uh, Man City play Leicester, and it was the game where Vincent Company hit that absolute thunder bastard from like 30 yards out. Why do you have to bring this up? Because <laughs> it was great. <laughs> There's no need for that, man. You know that hurts me. Big, you know that hurts celebration me. and everything. Uh, like, we were watching it on Mort's phone. It was fantastic. Yeah, so that, that's what happened after this year. So, yeah, the tournament. I, we talked about it before, uh, about how it wasn't especially an exciting field, but there was a lot of potential for, for matchups as the, the tournament progressed. So not, have you seen anything from Night 1? No, because I read reviews and was told there's nothing worth watching. Yeah. I had limited time. Yeah, Night 1 was was just, here's a bunch of guys, let, let's introduce them to you so you can enjoy their antics across the rest of the weekend. And it was a very dry show. And it was the one that I think I was the most disappointed by because it just didn't really set out to entertain me, which is kind of the purpose of professional wrestling um it was very sports driven um and a lot of the matches that i thought were going to be blow away good weren't so uh, like paul robinson versus darby allen was was fine uh carla riley chris ridgeway was was okay uh there was nothing really that jumped off and that was succeeded. one i was particularly surprised that was was by all accounts so underwhelming that that O'Reilly Ridgeway one that that sounds like a match that can't be anything but at least really good if not great and then it sounds like it was just fine yeah well I felt like the whole night everyone was holding back because they knew they had a lot more to do that weekend and it's not a criticism of, of the guys because if I was in the same position, I'd probably do the same thing, especially if you're David Starr and you know you've got uh, to, carry, uh, to carry on wrestling another three matches that weekend, big matches that you need to deliver in. Are you going to go out there and kill yourself against uh, Artemis Spencer? Well, no. And the same is true for just about everyone else that was on the card. So it, it was what it was. But um, yeah, it was fine. You can skip it, but it was fine. Um, then there was Kaiju Big Battle, which was just completely brilliant. I guess that's probably not your thing. Uh, I think that's that's a thing I would perhaps enjoy live, but it's not really a VOD thing, especially for me. Yeah, like, I, the live I, experience is always going to be better. There, there is a, a match on that show that was legitimately good. It was uh, Silver Potato versus Doctor Cycloptopus. Um, I know. Oh no, I probably shouldn't say. Uh I I know who was wrestling in that match. I'm not going to say who was wrestling in that match, but they're both really good, and it's a really good match, uh, in spite of all the the antics. And you know, one of them dressed as a baked potato, and one of them as a sea monster. Um, they still went out there and had a good match. So you know, credit to, to those guys. But yeah, no, it was a fun experience. Um, I got to see Burger Bear. I was happy. So you didn't riot. No, I did. There was no riot. 
Um, there no was, riot needed. No riot. Dr. Key was on the show. It was all good. Uh, I guess we should talk about night two. So, um, so night two is where uh, business picked up a bit. Uh, they threw out uh, Aerostar versus Daga as like, the opening match. Um, so they could basically become mates and have a tag match on the last night. Um, that was really good. Then after that was uh, Jordan Devlin, Carl Fletcher, which was to that point easily match of the weekend. You've mm-hmm. seen you've seen that one, right? I have. I yeah. have. That's uh, that felt like, uh, and it's kind of been talked about for a while. Like whenever we have interactions with promoters or interactions with people who are talking to promoters, they're all kind of kind of the the underhyped guy who the promoters are all hyped on as the future single star is Carl Fletcher. Mm. Um, both, you know, even extending to like Tanahashi thinks he's the shit um, and is going to be a, like a, a big star singles wise in the future. Uh, Progress love him as a singles guy. So I wasn't at all surprised to see him um, get, get, get a, a, the first round win and, um, you know, be kind of in this somewhat featured spot here. And this kind of felt somewhat like a coming out party here. Like I can't recall any other like big singles match she's had. His next biggest one I could think of would probably be uh, his match against Davis, but that was in like the, the yeah, was, that was when he started. <laughs> I suppose like the first match that he had um, that I saw him wrestle was against Mark Davis. I guess that was Fight Club, but. Well, oh, five no, clubbies have more singles. Of, um, oh, in oh, progress, specifically the, in progress. The progress one, but yeah, it, it felt like, especially for the progress audience, this was like this guy is gonna be a, a featured singles guy in the future, if, even if he's not yet, because he's tag champion. And that was, I think, thought Devlin did a very good job of. Um, while obviously Devlin won the match, um, he did a good job of putting over in a loss Fletcher here. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking up uh, singles matches. He had a, oh yeah, he had a really good Atlas title match with Trent Seven, uh, tail end of last year, November. Did you I see, don't remember. Yeah, no, it was really good. Um, th- there's certainly been potential there for for a good while. Um, he's he's a little bit uh, constrained by tags almost because they kind of need him to take the heat. Um, mm-hmm. And then you get the hot tag to to Davis, and they they've been running that formula perhaps a little bit too much. When they don't run the formula and Fletcher gets to do stuff, that's when they have really good matches. And um, yeah, now Kyle in uh, in singles has been getting better since he started wrestling. Basically, it's like there's been like a slow um, improvement, and the potential's always been there. But he's he's certainly living it up. Uh, living up to it at the moment i think it's always easy to forget how new he is to wrestling oh, simply because he's he's one because he's so good and two because he's teamed up with davis who is kind of that that veteran and because they're so linked in our head we don't think that like this guy's only a few years in yeah well he, um, technically he's been wrestling for five years but before he moved to uk and like 2017 mm-hmm. um he was just a kid that he was he was a literal child um having 
matches in out in Australia. Uh, he had very few matches under his belt before he came over. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a huge move for him, and it's it's paid off. If there's any like um, like eighteen year old wrestlers out there like coming to the UK and taking a chance on the scene, it's been proven uh, to work. And like Kyle Fletcher is just walking, breathing proof of that. But obviously, you need to have the talent to begin with, and the visa, which is. Yeah. Becoming trickier and trickier, unfortunately. Yeah. But, uh, I suppose it's not so bad from Australia. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was that, that was good stuff, and uh, definitely from from what I saw of night two, the 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 clear highlight. Yeah, there was that, and um, there was a really really good match between Walter and Trent Seven, which is the main event. But I hated the finish. Yeah, you, you you got some uh, some real progress booking in that one. Yeah, well, there was two matches that were damaged by the booking. Um, the Travis Banks David Star match that went to a no contest, which was just a bizarre one to me because they got what was it double DQ first and then a double count out and they they declared it a no contest. Why not just if it carry on once? Why not carry on twice? And then why even have the the triple threat? Um, the idea behind it was to, to kind of stack the odds against Star and put question marks about whether he could actually win. But like, why not just have him beat Trav here if he, all he was going to do was beat him anyway in the in the next round? Just just have him beat Trav. It helped with the momentum. It would help with the story. And then he goes on and and beats Ilya. It it just made more sense. The only the only reason why you could possibly have that as a as a triple threat is so that Ilya can say, "Well, Star didn't beat me on his way to the final, so let's have a match." That's that's it. I can't think of any other logical reason to do it. If you ever end up with uh in a in a sixteen person single elimination tournament, if you ever end up with a triple threat as part of the tournament. You've you've overthought things. Something's yeah. gone wrong there. That shouldn't be happening. I don't know how why where this came from, this idea, but it just none of it worked. Like the the no the no contest finish on night two just pissed the crowd off. Everyone was angry as fuck about it, and then they did the the screwy finish in in the main event as well, and it just pissed people off. And that's not how you want to end night two. Really, you kind of want to build. So night night one was very quiet. Night two should have been like, let's build and go higher. And then night three would be the the you know bells and whistles. Here's the conclusion. Let yay, let's party. And they nailed night three fine, uh, but night two was was kind of all over the place. And if they they could have gotten away with the the bad finish on the the Trav match, if they'd had a better finish for, for Walter and, and Trent Seven, but they didn't. They had a a really great hard-hitting match. I was thinking it was easily four stars, if, if not higher. And then they had a, a, a just weird finish that um, involved cheating and ref bumps. It all felt so WWE and like... You know, people are obviously going to say we're like we're drawing comparisons where you know they don't really fit, but it's just 
so much of of the booking a lot of the time especially recently just has the same kind of aura around it of like a wwe main event finish and that's i don't know i think the more the more wrestling you watch the more you just kind of get into the mindset of being you don't need this bullshit like you can build these satisfying and and hook hook storylines that really hook you in without like ruining the matches themselves you can just let the matches play out and have the characters kind of build the intrigue around it without having to kind of detract from the matches to build the next match that you then take a bit away from to build the match after that again and again and again so you never actually get the satisfying conclusion and you're seeing that in so many different companies around the world being able to give you those satisfying conclusions like i think not to get too off topic but one of the i wasn't completely in love with everything i saw from AEW, but something i really loved was like you just got satisfying conclusions to the matches and it's like yeah you don't need this this bullshit and that was kind of the overriding theme and the overriding like kind of something that took a little bit away from the action was the the booking rather than adding to it which is obviously what you want yeah there was there was a lot about night two that it started so well it started so well like i I love Jordan Devlin and, and Carl Fletcher. I love the, the headbutt spot that Devlin did where he just collapsed on top for the pin. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, I love Trevor Lee on this show. Uh, perfectly utilized um, being able to throw water bottles and have them land upright and then just talk trash. Great stuff. Um, and they just went to shit. And it went to shit when they had Ginny's departure match which I didn't understand. I didn't really get what that was about. I assume Ginny is exclusive to NXT UK, so they can't use her, but it was just weird. It's a weird match. And now they had a weird hug in the ring afterwards, which had no... It just didn't feel like it had come from anywhere. It was just like, oh, I'm leaving, so now I'm really happy that you won. Why? Uh, yeah, doesn't feel then, earned, doesn't feel true to the No, character. it just didn't feel right. Uh, it just felt completely wrong. And then they had that god-awful Progress Originals versus Do Not Resuscitate match, which was absolute fucking dog shit. And it was like 30 minutes long, and it was just full of spots to make uh, Do Not Resuscitate look like just a bunch of geeks who were utterly useless, can't beat anyone, will never beat anyone, will never amount to anything. So what was the fucking point of that angle? Yeah, it was highs and lows <laughs> on this night. And then we uh, they put on like a um, a little party thing in the venue afterwards. And we all went and got drunk and listened to John Cena's theme music. And I actually had a really good night. So um, even though they basically fucked the whole thing up uh, here... They gave me enough that I was happy to come back the next night. And night three was a blowaway win. Night three was way, way better than, than anything they did on nights one and two. They stuck the landing. Yeah, absolutely. With the obvious 
highlight and my my favorite match of the weekend even though I wasn't wasn't necessarily blown away by any any single match in this this weekend I thought the the in ring was a bit more lacking than we usually get from a super strong style I I don't think I went over four on anything I went three and three quarters a couple of times but um the match I, I enjoyed the most was the the final of the entire tournament, and that being David Starr beating Jordan Devlin. Well, when we talk about satisfying conclusions, like this was it. I felt that they possibly even fucked the booking up here because they had Devlin come in with a leg injury, so that he would like logically he would get all the sympathy, which I thought was stupid because you you clearly clearly want Starr to be the big baby face in that match. Um, but the crowd just booed Devlin anyway. <laughs> so they got fully behind the um, uh, independent uh, over WWE storyline, uh, which was Star's uh, narrative coming into the weekend. And I was absolutely thrilled that they went this way because I think it's un- unfair that we call progress fans WWE fans because I don't think that's entirely true. They like that independent spirit, and while they also like WWE, a lot of them, um, the support that Star got showed where the heart was for a lot of them. It's They like the, the little grimy indies, which is what progress should be, what progress started as. And, yeah, the, the right guy won, which you can't ask for any more than that. I don't want to give um, some credit to Progress for this, um, <laughs> simply that, I know, rare, right? Um, in that they they did just fully lean into the independent guy being the good guy. Mm-hmm. And we, we discussed this beforehand of like, that's a weird dynamic for them to play up themselves. Are they presenting their own company <laughs> as the bad guys? But they, they went, fuck it. We know what the sentiment is. We're not stupid. We're aware of it. We're aware of how people will react, or we can at least predict how they'll react. We're going to put the guy who is against the company as the good guy, uh, against the the um, the affiliations that we've set up in real life as the good guy in this story. And they just went, fuck it, that's the the right story to tell, and that's the story we're going with. And that took what? some balls to do, and it, it's it's a very interesting dynamic to I, create. I assume that it has been approved. Um, <laughs> I assume so. But, um, yeah, they're the only company that can do this because they have access to WWE talent. If you imagine if they start borrowing guys... I, I don't know what extent they can borrow guys to, but just I'm just thinking about them borrowing someone from the main roster to challenge Star. If Star wins their title, then you've got a, a possibility of, of doing that. And I, honestly, my mind's racing at the, the possibilities that are ahead of them. And I like that Star has also not made it about him. He's made it about independent wrestling. So when uh, he was given his victory speech, he started reeling off a list of, of young, hungry uh, British talent that WWE don't have their uh, claws into. And the crowd were responding along with it. You know, it was it felt like a, 
an important moment for the company. And they really haven't named anything going forward. So it's kind of hard to say what direction the storyline is going in. But I'm really excited to see what happens because it, it's bizarre that David Starr is like the the savior of British wrestling. <laughs> he's, uh, like he saved RevPro's um, uh, stale main event scene. And uh, oh, Chelsea scored. Oh, that's a goal. Yeah. Oh, uh, Giroud as well. Celebrating against Arsenal. Yeah, it, as I was saying, so uh, yeah, David starts saviour for for Repro. Also, has come across progress saviour for them. Um, how did that happen? It's it's a weird one. Um, it's a weird one to imagine going in a time machine and explaining it to yourself from several years ago. But uh, it's it's happened, and it's it's a good story. It's it's a story I'm invested in. Give me this over. Do not resuscitate any day. Um, and they seem to be, be forming a little bit of a, a stable around Star, kind of kind of the... Uh, less a stable and more like a group of independent wrestlers that are kind of... Because you, you automatically group up kind of a lot of the, the WWE UK guys. Well, now you've kind of got the, the other side of the coin in progress. And it's, as we've, we've said many a time now, it's... It's a weird dynamic, and it's it's not one that's fully predictable of how it will go. And I'm particularly interested to see how it plays in front of a crowd that isn't a super strong style um, crowd, because I think in general that's a bit more of like a an indie wrestling crowd, a, like a, a wrestling weekender crowd than you usually well, get at the, Progress. The good thing with with strong style and being in uh, Alexandra Palace is that they get a lot more people in there. So mm-hmm. you get pockets of support. So like it'll be interesting to see how it translates to a a venue like uh the Electric Ballroom, where mm-hmm. you get like seven hundred people and they all pretty much cheer cheer and boo the same guys. So I to be honest, I think they will support Star. The support was very strong for him. Mm-hmm. Well it's you know It's just whether he it's can a good drag story. Yeah, it's whether he can uh, drag other people into the story and elevate them at the same time, because that seems to be historically how uh, Star has gotten storylines over. It's not just him; he's dragged other people up to like the standard that he's performing at, and that's allowed him to tell his stories. So he's going to need protagonist. well, he's protagonist, antagonists <laughs> to um, to his position. But WWE having the roster that they do could provide um, progress with a stream of them. Yeah, they've got a million guys under contract. Yeah, so. most of them aren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, was this um, the the main event your your favourite match of the night as well, or did yeah, something yeah. else jump out of you? Yeah. Um. I thought the the death match was really good. Um, Havoc nearly died, like legitimately, just covered in blood. Uh, I was standing next to Mort, and he said he'd never seen that much blood come out of a, a human being. <laughs> and um, like he's been to all uh, big Japan shows, so he would be an expert in that area. 
Yeah, I love that. Um, I thought the Wasteman Challenge was was a, a, a great success. Um, that really uh, turned into a, a terrific little spot fest to open the show. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a good show. It was a good show, and um, the right man won the tournament. I got sent home really happy. Uh, I'd say it's one of my favourite shows this year. Night three, although it just delivered. And um, there was a... I don't know if you remember me saying something about the the celebrations when Bobby Guns won the uh, WXW title at Carrot. There was a very mm-hmm. big celebration in the crowd. People were jumping up and down. That was, We got the exact same thing here. Only I think it was more intense. Which, oh, that, that's something. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I I jumped for joy when uh, someone won a tournament and found that everyone else was doing the exact same thing. So that it felt important. It felt like a, an important tournament uh, and an important winner. And yeah, no, I was really glad I went to. It. I had a great time this weekend. Nice to nice to see progress with some momentum because we we kind of talked about ahead of time. Like it would be interesting to see with such a, an outsider heavy tournament if they managed to create and maintain any momentum for their you know sh- regular show to show run. And it feels like there's potential for that now. There's the the independent David Starr versus um, the WWE guys has legs and it's something that can be carried forward show to show because he is a guy who's there all the time mm. um, and you know the even if all the WWE UK guys aren't there all the time they've created an environment where it can kind of be um, they can kind of rotate in and out in a way yeah I mean Starr is, is definitely the focal point here. Um... But that's not to say he's the only guy that, that has had a good weekend. So Devlin was excellent. Uh, Robinson, I thought, showed uh, another side of his uh, character over the course of the weekend. Um, by which I mean, like, he was a total babyface at the after party. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kyle Fletcher, we've already talked about, but also Mark Davis. There's There's upside there. I don't know how much a lot of their NXT UK guys are going to be available. Um, I assume quite a bit. So they've got Trav, they've got Ilya. They, they do have guys that they can use. And there's more potential coming out of this than we saw going in. I think going in, we were looking at it and saying, like, where, what are they doing? What's happening? Where are they going? And we've come out of it with the right guy won. It's set up a lot of potential storylines. And we're singing their praises for the first time in like six months. Yeah, weirdly, I think the in-ring perhaps slightly under-delivered on the field, but the the momentum coming out of the tournament is higher than we expected. So it's a weird dy- dynamic there. And for us, like match match quality nerds, it's perhaps slightly underwhelming, especially compared to to prior years. But for like people following the the promotion it there's more of a reason to care and that's 
something progress desperately needed. Yeah, it's like a complete reversal on what they would normally do, which is like a really high standard of in-ring and no no reason to care about it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I feel like the the main event was a combination of both. I was a lot higher on it than you. Um, I I thought the work in it was was strong and they they had a lot of callbacks to stuff that happened earlier in the tournament. So I I referenced that headbutt spot. They did that in the final uh, with Devlin hitting the headbutt, but they both collapsed and the star ended up on top. And it was a really well done spot. Uh, They also had a spot where Devlin collapsed because his knee was fucked and Star went smashing into the ropes because he'd thrown himself at a spot and he just went straight into the ropes. I thought that was brilliantly done. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I don't think I'd ever seen that before. No, it was really, really well done. And it looked almost like it was an accident, which is even better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's tied a nice bow on the Super Strong Star. Um, the, the, the one other thing I, I wanted to mention on, on this pod before we, we wrap things up, unless you've got anything to bring up, uh, is that, uh, Star versus Volta in OTT has been announced. And that's mm. an interesting dynamic because the story kind of dictates there. And for those who perhaps haven't fully been keeping up, um, Star turned on Devlin, Devlin beat Star then went on to win the title back from Volta. Um, and now Devlin is telling Star, if you want a title shot for my title, you have to go through Volta, and the winner gets the title shot. The story kind of dictates that you'd think kind of Star should win here. Yeah. But weirdly... But he can't. <laughs> Surely he can't. That has to happen in WXW, doesn't it? Big question mark. It it's weird because they they've done such a good job with all this storytelling so far, and like if there's one place if it, it's gonna happen anywhere that isn't WXW OTT is the place, and it would feel earned if it happened yeah. in OTT. I, but I it have a just theory. feels like the guys wouldn't do it outside of WXW. Yeah, I have a theory. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, initially when I when I said uh, when Star won. I thought he was going to lose to Volta. But then when this OTT match was booked, I was thinking, well, he kind of has to beat Volta there, I think. Doesn't he? Probably. Um, But that would mean he would also have to beat Volta in progress. That would give him two wins over Volta uh, outside of WXW, which would then, I guess, lead to him saying, I can beat you. And Volta would be like, no, you haven't beaten me in WXW. See, I, I think I brought this up in our, oh, two. our strong style. Oh, yep, two. Who's that that time? Is that Giroud again? Uh, Pedro, I think. Hazard like did Hazard made the goal with the dribble, but uh, you know wrestling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we kind of did. I think we were, uh, we we brought it up during the the strong style preview in the um we were like. It probably shouldn't happen anywhere other than WXW, and it would feel weird for it to happen anywhere other than WXW. But the place where they're at in that story at the moment, with Star like telling WXW, "Fuck it, I'm done. If you're not going to give me Volta again, Volta's off with WWE. I'm I quit WXW um, because I I beat him 
Oh yeah, it was Pedro. Um, I said it was Pedro. Yep. Um, the story would almost make sense if they, uh, we did bring it up. We were like, well, if he did, Vol- Star did beat um, Volta elsewhere, that would give him the impetus to return in WXW. So you could see it. The other obvious option, and I was discussing this with uh, Sarah Flan in, in our, our Slack a while back, uh, a couple of days ago, um, and when when the match got announced, she thinks while like the obvious like storyline thing is for Star to win, she thinks we might get a screwy finish in a freeway to kind of just skirt around everything. Oh yeah, okay. okay Which I can see that. you know you don't want to see it, but like when you think about it, like uh, you you <clears throat> definitely it. The story has been like surrounding those three people. If it led to a triple threat, it like it kind of makes a bit of sense, even if it's so, a little I, like less satisfying. So that's a way to get around that. But what about the progress situation? Because I I kind of feel like Volta would just beat Star, but then the whole storyline is Star. At the moment, that's the whole focal point. It is Star, like independent wrestling. If he loses, then where are you going? I mean, Star does does lose to Volta. That's that's a yeah, thing that happens. He does. Um, I guess he could champion somebody else and get them to take on his mantle. So, like a Kyle Fletcher or something. That that I could see. It's 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 an interesting one, and obviously, there's also no announced date for that match. Mm. Uh, the progress one, of course. Oh, so. Presumably Wembley, but uh, not Wembley. It's not at Wembley, is it? <laughs> you know um, what I mean. The big the big show. The, the September, September show. one. Yeah, um, and there's always the possibility that they've done the... Nah, they they wouldn't do it before Tag League. That's the, the earliest, the next Volta-style match is happening in WXW, right? I don't, Prob- I don't think it's, I don't probably think it's happening there. Probably Cara, if... Yeah. So, yeah. So what do you do? It's, it's, it's a weird It's tricky. One. It's very tricky, but it actually leaves me in a situation where I don't know what they're going to do, which... Um, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think. As, you know, touch wood. Uh, unpredictability is good as long as it makes sense. That's that's yeah. my my rule in wrestling. Well, like, think, that... well, either either one winning would make sense, so that's fine mm. for me. Yeah, that's that's for me the the difference between a swerve and a surprise, and a surprise makes sense, and a swerve is done to surprise you, but the reason it's, it's it's surprising is because it's dumb and doesn't make sense. Um, that's, that, that's something certain wrestling book has never quite figured out, but, um, you know, that's... Uh, it, it's, a, it's a cool situation to be in. And, you know, it, it's cool that across um, so many different promotions now, we've got this, this one dynamic in that so many promotions almost feel like they're revolving around at the moment, in that, you know... Will Star beat Volta is the big question oh, in that's a Progress, OTT, and um, and WXW now. Um, and it and it feels like there's a genuine possibility it could happen first in any of the three. <laughs> yeah. And like as great as this this whole dynamic between the two has been, um, for such a long time as well, 
it always felt like it was a, a WXW thing that kind of spilled over into other promotions. Whereas now it feels like it's just a European thing. It's it's almost grown beyond WXW now. Yeah, which is why it, I feel like it could happen somewhere else now. Mm-hmm. Whereas even six months ago, I, I don't think that would have been the case. Oh, we, we would have been outraged, I think, if it happened how, somewhere how else. How dare like, you take yeah. the sanctity of our, our lovely co-opted German promotion away? Yeah. Well, that's it. I don't have anything else to add. Yeah. Um, Unlike Chelsea, you've just added the third goal. You're very slightly ahead of me, but uh, yes, they, they have now also added the goal for me. Um, that's a nice send-off for Hazard, um, but I can hear my my father being fairly annoyed in the, the living room below, as he is an Arsenal fan, so he is... Oh. He is uh, not, not thrilled, not thrilled, but, uh, you know... It's only the Europa League. It's the it's the Champions League final that that matters, and the Premier League that we've already lost. But you know, <sighs> anything else to uh, to bring up from May's Britress or Eurograps? Uh, no, I don't think I've seen anything else. Um, I know uh, WXW Superstars Wrestling is coming up soon. Um, I'm somewhat excited for that. What's announced? It's not coming to my mind. Uh, Janella and Bobby Guns. And uh, Hardcore Holly's on the show, and he's like tagging with Aussie Open. <laughs> of course he is. Why not? <laughs> Superstars of Wrestling is always so weird. Like, uh, do, you, do you remember that Jeff Jarrett year? Uh, mm, yeah. That one, Yerm, was really bad. He, yeah, he was playing a role. Uh, I'm glad he stopped playing it. Uh, uh, Jeff <laughs> it was a bad role. Um, yeah, I think we're done. Yeah, we're done. We're at, we're just rambling at this point. Yeah, kind of kind of a short episode, but you know, at the same time, it was time, like an also, hour, wasn't it? Yeah, an hour and a quarter. Yeah, thanks thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we will be back hopefully in in two weeks. Um, back to a more regular schedule. <laughs> Touch wood. Um, as long as, you know, everyone remains fit and healthy, which, you know, we can all hope for. Plugs on. Plugs. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Arnold Furious. Uh, you can also read my reviews uh, of wrestling events, such as the ones we've been talking about, uh, at rearviewreviews.com. I have been enjoying your Best of Super Junior reviews in, in recent times. <laughs> I've done two of them. <laughs> That's plural. That's plural. I was trying to trying to be nice. Trying to be nice. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, voiceswrestling dot com for all the best of Super Junior reviews that you know, even the ones Arn doesn't refuse to review. Um, it as well as I refuse to review it, it's <laughs> that I was really tired. <laughs> just tired. I've watched too much wrestling recently, and I'm just tired. But I'm all right now. I'm okay. That's good. That's good. Um, as well as a myriad of other wrestling content. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And goodbye. Bye.